Today, we are going to take a compassionate and sensitive look at the why of infidelity. We believe that infidelity is a choice, and from our own moral perspective, we believe it is wrong. But at the same time, when it comes to making sense of infidelity as part of rebuilding a marriage, further examination reveals a lot of complexity and many sensitive topics. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a delicate episode for you this week. This is episode number 275, and today we're going to be talking about causes of infidelity. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed parenting and marriage, how to balance them generally, and also during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's worth going back and checking that out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. So Caleb, let's get into the topic of infidelity and causes of it. Yes. One of the areas of specialty in our online counseling agency is helping couples recover from infidelity. And for my part, I tend to focus more on the betraying spouse and other team members more help with the betrayed spouse. But we want to think about both perspectives as we go through here. So you can help okay. me with that, babe, and uh, just tackle this. So infidelity is actually more common than we might think. A 1994 study that used a national probability sample found that nearly one quarter of all men and 15% of all women reported having engaged in sex outside of marriage, either in their current marriage or in a previous marriage. Really? Yeah. It's a huge stat. That's huge. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. And it's a major part of our um, practice too. I work okay. in our marriages. Yeah. Yeah. So what contribute, like what brings a marriage to this point? Yes. So we're going to go through, there's kind of a, this is hard Uh huh. because we could have a betrayed spouse listening. And we could have a betraying spouse listening. Mm -hmm. And they'll hear this through very different ears. So one is looking for, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. Right? We get that too. Like there's, I mean, sometimes people come in and they know where they got derailed and what they started to entertain and how they went down that road. Mm -hmm. And other times people come in like, I didn't want to do this. I don't want this. And I don't know how I got here. And I need to know. And they're very genuine. So even the betrayers kind of come in two different varieties at least. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know because I was ready to like smack them all upside the head. <laughs> yes. Should why I not did, have said that? Why did you want to smack them all upside the head? Let's talk about that first. Well, when you've got a loving spouse, like why go elsewhere? Number one, it's wrong. Okay. Okay. Number two, like no good can come out of it. Maybe the short term you think you might enjoy the fling or whatever, but like long term, there's going to be hurt. There's going to be pain. Yeah. So, I mean, let's do it this way. Verlinda's going to advocate for the betrayed spouse. Okay. And I'm going to advocate for the betrayed no. spouse to live a life of integrity. Okay. Yes. And to repair the damage that has been caused. Okay. I should have let you finish. And when, Sorry. I do, <laughs> when I do that work, I do it without my wife in the room. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, and from a non-judgmental stance. 
Yeah, I don't know how you're so non-judgmental. I mean, I try. Well... But when you know somebody knows better, like how do you be non-judgmental? Because there's points we all arrive, and you've had this in your experience too, not in the context of sexual betrayal in a marriage, but there's points you arrive at in your lives where you make a decision to do something, and you dissociate, you disconnect, or you're not aware of the consequence, and you would rather have the benefit, like your second cinnamon bun the other day. Oh, shh. Right? Yeah. Now okay. that's not a huge that's not a huge moral fallout. No. And I'm not just so everybody knows when they're listening, I'm not guilting my wife for fat shaming, but she actually does not tolerate sugar well. She's like, You feel really bad if I you feel have sick. Too yeah. much sweets. Right? So that I just want to kind of take that whole side yeah. of things off the table here. But just to say there was a moment where you chose to do something without the consciousness of the consequence. Okay. Yeah. So this is a circumstance under which the same thing occurs which m- with much more devastating consequences than an afternoon of belly pain. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, Does that I help will you try feel a little and more compassion. Enter this with more compassion and less judgment. Yes. So one of the first factors that can contribute to infidelity is low marital quality. Mm-hmm. People who are dissatisfied with their marriages are more likely, and I'm quoting research here, a referencing researcher should say, are more likely than people who are satisfied with their marriage to seek sexual satisfaction elsewhere. Okay. This is not an uncommon concern among researchers. According to Gerald Weeks, an expert in the field, one of the strongest factors making marital infidelity more likely is diminished marital satisfaction. That's quoting a study from 2011. Mm-hmm. So why not make your marriage better? Well, sometimes people have tried already, but okay, they actually have. With the tools that they have and what they know how to do in right. their own stumbling way, as we all do, they okay. tr- often have tried. So does this mean that if you're in a distressed marriage, like you're hooped? No. No, there's many people in distressed marriages who live faithful lives. They're faithful to their spouse. Okay, so if my spouse has had an affair, does that mean our marriage is in distress? Well, I'm sure it does now, but... It does now, for sure. But no, I've actually had people come where a faithful husband, a loving wife, and uh, so happens on a work trip, there's too much alcohol and the wrong... uh, How should I put this? So that diminished sense of judgment coupled with an unexpected opportunity, and there is sexual intercourse outside the marriage. Right, and they both show up devastated. Yeah, asking for yeah. Help. so. Okay, so it doesn't happen to all distressed marriages, and uh, not necessarily the fact that all affairs point to a very distressed marriage. But obviously, you know, in those kinds of cases, we still want to talk about. Okay, do we need to? What do we need to do to make sure you're safe going forward? And how can we help you guys heal now? We mm-hmm. start working through mm-hmm. that side of things. Okay. So low marital quality is sometimes there, and this can be difficult to admit as well, because. Uh, a lot of us can have low marital quality without anybody really knowing, but when you throw an affair in, it kind of mm, opens public. the can of worms in some cases very much, or at least to closer family members or maybe to kids or stuff like that. And all of a sudden, your laundry's all out on the line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's tough. Right. So if it's you're really in tough. a distressed marriage. And you haven't had an affair. Like get help. Yeah. Reach out. Yeah. Budget in. Yeah. Do more than just hope for change if you can. Yeah. Yeah, I just really uh, encourage you to attend to that. And I know a lot okay. of our listeners are listening because they're attending to it too. So we want right. to acknowledge that effort. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So another reason is little or no sexual intimacy. It has been shown, again, citing a study here, to be higher rates of infidelity when sexual intimacy within the marriage is low in frequency or quality. Now, we're not saying that if you're not getting sex in the marriage, 
go get it somewhere else. But we're saying that there is a correlation here, that when there's a decrease in sexuality within the marriage, there's an increase in sexual activity outside of marriage. So you need to pick it up a little bit. Well, for Linda, it's never that simple. Yeah. And and you should be advocating for the betrayed spouse here because it's they often go to a lot of shame of, you know, if I'd given him more sex, he wouldn't have had to do this. Well But that's not the reason you can't do that. No. Like it's not their fault. Oh, see, I got you going there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you really think. Even if things are bad, yes. you are responsible for yourself. Yes. And your own choices. And your own choices. Yes. So you can never blame the other person. No. I mean, if you're the betrayer. No. But I do have compassion for the guy that sits down across from me and said, I've had, I can count on one hand how many times I've had sex in my marriage. I would have sympathy for him too. Like you, you can't, you know, one of the, especially for Christians, like, yeah, there's a lot of noble reasons why we get married, but we get married to have sex. Yep. So if you're going to deny that from your spouse, like withhold that term of marriage, you are abandoning one of the privileges of marriage. Yeah. Can you reasonably expect to do that? There'd be some form of consequence. Not that you would in a passive aggressive way punish someone or whatever, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay there? Yeah. Just answering lunch requests. Okay. Okay. So that's the second reason. Uh, Third reason. This one was interesting. Doubts the marriage will last kind of different from the others. So if I doubt my marriage will last, I'm more likely to go outside the marriage. That makes sense. They are more likely to engage in extramarital sex if they doubt the long-term viability of their marriage, again, citing a study here. These doubts may lead a person to think that the traditional rules regulating marriage no longer apply to them. So there's, we'll tackle that. But once the norm of sexual fidelity is violated, the prospects for the continued stability of the marriage are lessened considerably. So it becomes, in other words, becomes self-fulfilling. So you don't think the marriage is going to last, right? And so because this isn't going to work and we're done anyways, I might as well do this. And then because I've done that, it self-destructs. And it's like, well, what did you expect? That's kind of how that goes, right? Mm -hmm. Watch for doubts, I think, is the takeaway here. And what you give yourself permission to do that may be even against your own values based on those doubts or what you may entertain based on the doubts about the viability of your marriage. So if you're having doubts, what do you do? I mean, it kind of goes the same if you have low marital quality. I mean, maybe we'll get to this, but if you have no sexual intimacy or little, if you have doubts that your marriage is going to last. Well, I once had someone say to me in a business context that if your values change based on your circumstances, then those aren't really values. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing Mm -hmm. we can do is kind of revisit what we really consider to be our core values. And you know what? Not all marriages last. Mm -hmm. They don't all make it, right? Mm -hmm. But think about like, if that's going to be the case for you, how would you like the end of it to be remembered? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So that's one consideration. Of course, can you get help understanding that in some cases, one spouse is not willing? But mm, okay. definitely, uh, if you're finding doubts and you've been the person that's holding off, and maybe you start listening to the podcast, if you've been holding off getting help, this is your time to get help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to, that's a good kind of cue to watch for. Huh, interesting. Another risk factor... And again, um, this is correlation, not causation. So if this has happened to you, it doesn't mean you are an unfaithful spouse, okay? Okay. But multiple sexual partners prior to marriage makes an individual more likely to engage in extramarital sex after marriage. That's a study Hmm. reporting that from 2011. That goes like the opposite of what everybody says today. Yes. Like, how do you know you're going to be able to last with them unless you have sex with all these different people? Yeah, yeah. And yet it actually means you're more likely. Yep. And again, quoting a 
uh, Gerald Weeks, an expert in the area. It's pretty clear in my clinical experience and in research that the more sexual partners one has prior to marriage, beyond a certain reasonable point, the more likely they are to have an affair. I can recall one case where a man actually admitted to roughly 150 relationships prior to marriage. And then after marriage, he documented another 150 relationships by the time he got into therapy. And this was a 10-year marriage. This was an extreme case, but a legitimate point. End of quote. Wow. So that's sex addiction, which we also treat. Yeah. But marriage marriage doesn't solve sexual compulsivity. Okay. Yes. So if you're recognizing that you have sexual compulsivity or sexually compulsive behaviors, definitely need to get that in to see a CSET, a certified sex addiction therapist, mm -hmm. uh, to help you uh, maintain your values around marital fidelity as okay. well. Yep. So once again, we've created additional advice for our much appreciated supporters. If you're listening to this episode and maybe it's freaked you out a little bit because you realize that this infidelity thing happens more than most of us realize, and you really don't want it to be part of your marriage story or your own life story, well, the bonus guide for today's episode gives you several additional points to discuss with your spouse and work on to buffer your marriage against affairs. Hmm. Uh, it's not that you would say, hey, I'm suspecting this, but it's just like, hey, you know what? Like, I really don't want to go here. Can we work on this yes, together? Yes, let's make sure. Yes. You can always make your marriage more affair resistant than it already is. And you can get that bonus information, that extra information by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll take a short 60 second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day -day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about four factors contributing to infidelity, and we have four more to go. Okay. This is another interesting one, Verlinda, crisis. It could be a personal crisis of some sort or a tragedy that comes up suddenly. It can also be something like being diagnosed with cancer, which can cause one to be suddenly thinking about your mortality and wanting to get the most out of life. I would have thought the total opposite. In like many cases, it is the total opposite. In Wait. some cases, it goes this way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Like many people will double down with cherishing the time with their spouse. Yeah, or even just throw you closer together for support. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. The death of a family member could create strong feelings of sadness or anxiety. Mm -hmm. And when someone dies, it stirs up that sense of mortality, kind of like you were saying. But when that, again, when that gets stirred up too much, a person might try to want to recapture some sense of vitality. I have not seen this very often, mm -hmm. but I think it's just a good one to be aware of. Is this not like a midlife crisis? Like... Oh, I'm getting old. I need to it, go. It could come in that form too. Loss of youth and sort of kind of the, the mental values around that. I think this I one, like this one makes right me, 
disgusted and yet sad at the same time. Okay. Tell me about the sad part. I'd rather tell you about the disgusted part. You're more passionate about that. Well, it just makes me sad that when there's already a crisis or tragedy that they can make another wrong decision, which is going to result in another tragedy. Yeah. And it's just like hurt upon hurt. Yes. Whereas if you turn to your spouse, there's like, well, we've talked about it, all the sciences of the oxytocin and anti-stress hormones. That actually ends up helping with health and healing from... Yeah, like there's so much good that can turn from turning to your spouse, that can come from turning to your spouse. And instead, the choice to do something so catastrophically devastating. It's pain on top of pain. Yeah, but hurt people hurt people. Yep, yeah. Or I was going to say, sometimes we take our brokenness and we break it a little bit more. Yeah. See, that's the sad part. Yeah, it's... You're doing better in the sad part. Good job, baby. Psychiatric problems is another one. You didn't want to hear about the disgusted part? No, I think people probably figure that out. Okay. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. We work with sexual addictions in our practice. That's a... Specialty? Yeah. Well, I just kind of pause there because there's a debate about whether that should be considered to be a psychiatric problem or not. But in the sense of it, you know, in our practice, we approach it from an addiction perspective. And so, therefore, it is treatable. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that kind of thing. But actually, another concern, again, correlation, not causation. People with bipolar disorder can act out sexually during manic phases. That's a very significant issue in some bipolar cases. It's totally absent in other bipolar cases. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So those that can be a cause for infidelity as well. Yep. Another one, I keep saying they're interesting, but I just find them interesting. This one is interesting. <laughs> okay. Infertility. Couples who are having trouble having a child, again, not all cases, they can find that sex becomes very scheduled and routine, like it's really on that calendar system or certain body positions, and they lose that sense of connection. It's purely for the purpose of procreation, and the romance goes out of the experience. That can make it less enjoyable. Okay. Uh, Some cases, people can actually have an experience of, you know what, needing to prove my fertility by getting pregnant or impregnating somebody. Really? Not common. Again, my guess here is these are pretty rare cases, but we are noting them from the research. I don't think I've seen these in my practice. Okay. Many couples go the opposite direction with infertility. It becomes a shared issue in their life that they rally around. They support one another through. Right. It like draws them closer. It draws them closer together. Yeah. And so if you're having infertility struggles, I don't want you to freak out, but maybe it is a good reminder that amidst the procreation sex, have some fun sex. Mm, Two. Yep. Yeah. 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 Or sex that isn't just purely about baby making. Right. Yeah. And then the final one I wanted to mention is gender role conflict. And this is, I have compassion for this situation. The greater the imbalance in gender role equality, the more vulnerable couples are to affairs. What do you mean? This is a 2011 study. If there's a power imbalance, like a significant power imbalance, rather than sort of a peer to peer or an equal, equal relationship, there's more risk of an affair. And so that can come on either side of the equation because on the privilege and power side, the dominant side, it could be like a, a harem mentality or, yeah, you're my mm, wife and I can do this on the side too. <laughs> or I can have the whatever I want, including you, right? You should object to that, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying that this is what happens in a power imbalance. My wife is just about ready to <laughs> lay me out on the floor here. So That is so wrong. Yes. Like, I'm going to have this, this, and this, and I'm going to have you. Okay. Well, at that point, no, you're not. (laughs) Okay. 
Yes. Can I get to the other side? Sorry. Yep. This is going to need a little more compassion. On the dominated side, mm-hmm. some desire to have independence or a choice that I can make or something that I can do because mm-hmm. I am so controlled, so dominated, so overwhelmed by my partner that I can have some sense of a part of my life that's my own. That can lead to setting a person up for suing an affair. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I would have a lot more sympathy for that, but it's still wrong. It's still the wrong choice to make. Yes. We would hope that there would be other ways that you would find to pursue equality in your relationship. And if you're with someone who is abusive... Abuse is different, yeah. It doesn't give permission to this, but there's another way to solve that problem. Because what I would see in this particular kind of circumstance with the dominated person is they end up feeling a lot of guilt and it doesn't end up bringing that sense of freedom that you hoped for. Because it's probably breaking your own values anyways, right? Yeah. And so is there another way to restore power or a sense of, you know, being a human treated with respect and dignity and equality that doesn't violate your own values and leave you feeling worse? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one like All right. got me overheated. Huh. All right. Well, just notice hmm. where you're feeling the heat. Overheatedness. Is that anger? I think so. Like it's total, it's injustice. Yes. You've got the injustice look on your face. Okay. Well, that's because this is injustice. It's unjust to be treated in this way. Yeah. Yes. It's unjust to treat others that way. Yes. Call my wife. She will advocate for you. I will too. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this show up for Linda. Okay. Well, those are quite a few causes of infidelity, but I feel like we've, we've listed all these problems, Yep. but like there isn't a huge lot of hope in this episode. Uh, well, or do you think there is? And I just missed it because I was focusing uh, on all the negatives. Maybe we haven't talked about that. Um, couples where both spouses are willing to do the hard work of facing what was going on. Mm-hmm. And of taking responsibility, especially for the betraying spouse, not blaming, not being defensive or minimizing, but really taking responsibility for why they went down that road mm-hmm. and owning that. Mm-hmm. And the betrayed spouse working through any trauma that has come as a result and or uh, after that is healed and you hear your spouse owning that they made the wrong choice and it's not your fault, then exploring, okay, what was going on in our marriage? So how can our marriage be a healthy place now that's going to be a fair mm-hmm. resistant? Those couples have better marriages at the end of all that than many people who never had an affair. Okay. So what about these couples who have never had an affair? Yes. How do they get there without ha- like, oh, I need a better marriage. marriage. Let's go have an affair so I can no, get there. Yes. Well, so how do we get there without the well, devastation? I'll tell you how we don't get there is complacency, not uh, nurturing the quality of the interaction between us, not properly resolving my own junk, just sort of becoming roommates. You know what yeah, I mean? That's so bad. if there's something about your marriage that's disappointing or is not what you want it to be, really taking that seriously about how you can work on that and shift that. And mm-hmm. not just in a way that blames your spouse or requires mm-hmm. them to change so that you can feel happier, but really owning your own part to create a thriving, passionate marriage mm-hmm. where you really are convinced that the intimacy you're experiencing is better than anything else you could experience. That's good. You like that? Yes, we want to create that. Yes. Yes. All right, I'm satisfied now. Okay. We want to thank those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. There's David and Rebecca and Dawn and Caleb. Is that you? No. Huh. And Ron and Kevin, so a different Caleb. Yeah, if I donated to myself, I would just end up losing 5%, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you to all of our patrons who support us. Yes. Even through this very uncertain times, we're very thankful for your support. Next week, we're next episode. We're talking about the pillars of attachment, so that's going to be one of those more um, nerdy, uh, sort of fundamentally helpful. <laughs> nerdy. <laughs> well, conceptual, but like if you get the concepts, these are like the huge building blocks of robust attachment with your spouse, like really feeling a, a solid connection. It's like part of a intimacy. thriving, passionate marriage for Linda. Even all right. nerds can have that. I know. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 275. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever. So we've created additional advice to go this episode for our much appreciated supporters. If you're listening to this episode and it's maybe freaked you out a little bit because you realize that this infidel... You okay? Just, <laughs> just going your ankle, ankle. bone on garbage can. Shall I start that over? <laughs> okay. You gonna be okay? Need some mm-hmm. ice? I'm like, oh, I like bruised my ankle bone. I think you can make your marriage more fair resistant by rubbing your wife's feet. <laughs> <laughs> we should add that on the list. <laughs>